vision. It's vision. It's how they're aiming their mind. They're aiming their mind where they want to go. They're not aiming their mind where they don't want to go. You know, and that's that's a really powerful thing. And I hope I hope young people grab onto that idea. And you know, because young people like you are the people changing the world. And um, you know, your where you aim your mind, what you're trying to do with your show, what you're trying to do with your life um, has a lot of power, has a lot of power. Hey friends, you're tuned into the Learn or Be Learned podcast, a show where wisdom meets curiosity in order to discover the human experience. I'm your host, Shiva D, and remember, you either learn from or you're learned from. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back, friends, to another great episode. Today we have an awesome guest, Dr. Gina Schneider. She is a licensed psychotherapist who specializes in stress, anger, and management in that regard. And if I'm if I'm not mistaken, you came out with, you know, relatively recently you came out with a book called Frazzle Brain. And exactly. I think it's, it's been a year, right? Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. She's also an author and I'm really excited to hear her expertise. Uh, Dr. Schneider, if you'd like to, you know, give a little bit more of an intro about yourself, I think the audience would love to hear it. Sure. Happy to. And thanks so much for inviting me on your show. Mm-hmm. I am a licensed psychotherapist. I've been uh, working in the field of psychotherapy for 30 years now, uh, 30 plus years. So, I also do corporate training, executive coaching, and I'm an author of the book Frazzle Brain. And uh, the book Frazzle Brain, Break Free from Anxiety, Anger, and Stress, Using Advanced Discoveries in Neuropsychology, is really about looking at ways of soothing ourselves. And the reason I wrote the book is because I remember doing a training in front of a bunch of therapists and I was talking about stress and anger management, and I talked about self-soothing. And one of the therapists raised her hand and said, what's self-soothing? And I went, wow, we really need to know what this is and how to do it. And right. um, and these are therapists, you know, that are asking mm-hmm. these questions. So it's not like uh, something you would expect everyone every day to know about. So... Uh, so yes, I, I compiled a bunch of uh, stories from my own uh, personal life, clinical practice, uh, some research I've done on in neuropsychology to show people some real soothing techniques. And so the goal of, of writing the book was really to give people also a soothing experience in reading a book on anxiety, anger, and stress, because a lot of the books that I've been recommending to clients for years have these sort of checklists. Uh, You know, the first few chapters are like, this is all the terrible stuff you can feel. And these are all the terrible things um, you're going through. And, um, and then you have to wait till chapter four or later to get any kind of advice on how to feel better. And I, um, I wanted a book that actually would feel good to the reader to read and be soothing. So that's the feedback I'm getting. So that's, that's one of the things um, that I'm happy about. Mm -hmm. And I saw that in your book, you, you talked about, there's a few ways in dealing with stress that may surprise people, um, is perhaps one of those involved with nature. 
Yes, and there is some really interesting research on the effects of the natural environment on our nervous system. Hmm. And um and and that can be everything from houseplants. For example, people in, in old age homes live longer who have a houseplant in, in their room hmm. to take care of. Wow. Um that uh that forest bathing, they call it in Japan, um, Shinrin Yoku is the is the the word I think I may have butchered, but in Japanese, but um, it is the term for uh, spending time in a forest. And um, they were able to show that two hours in the forest can give you 30 days of antidepressant effects on your nervous system. And there are things called uh, Mycobacterium bacchi, which is a bacchi, um, which is a, uh, um, a bacteria that, that's uh, that's in soil, composted soil, that uh, has natural antidepressant effects when we breathe it in. And so, mm-hmm. if you're maybe have a little, little potted plants with some rich loamy soil, um, you'll notice that that just um, doing that can help you feel a little better. Mm-hmm. And uh, in our modern world, we're, we're really inundated with a lot of lifeless things. You know, computers are dead things. Phones are dead mm-hmm. things. Uh, cars are dead things. Machines are dead, right? But our, our experience with living things like pets, trees, birds, uh, you know, all of the living things around us, uh, if we can give ourselves a few moments of going at the pace of nature, slowing down, observing it, smelling, tasting, uh, savoring our, our natural world wherever we find it, that it actually has healing effects on our body. It, it boosts our immune system, helps us recover faster from injuries or diseases. Um, mm. it's, it's really, really healing, and we don't do it. You know, we, there's right. a, and it's pretty easy. I mean, even if you, if you aren't able to hike in the forest, they were able to distinguish time in the forest from the effects of exercise. Cause exercise in and of itself, like taking a walk anywhere, as long as it's not, I guess, a toxic waste dump, but you know, if you're mm-hmm. taking a walk <laughs> in a, in a, a reasonably healthy environment, right. um, uh, you know, not a war zone, um, but, you know, somewhere where you're safe, um, you will uh, get a lot of good antidepressant, anti-anxiety effects from that and benefits from that. Uh, however, even if you can't walk and you just need to sit in your car in the in a, on a road in the forest, you will still get those same antidepressant effects if you're breathing in the air. So that's, that's nice to know. And it's simple. Right. Right. So... You know, I read somewhere about the potential benefits of even walking barefoot. Is there any studies on that? Any research? You know, I don't know a lot. I've read a little bit about uh, the idea of of walking barefoot. There is something um, about being grounded to the earth in real life Mm. uh, that that can be very healing. Mm. Uh, obviously we need to be careful again where we're walking. Um, but, uh, uh, I don't recommend walking through broken glass and things like that. Um, 
however, there is something very healing about physically touching and being in physical contact with the the earth, with grass, you know, with mm-hmm. um, with the natural world. Right. It because we are natural beings and we become cut off from our natural selves when we're in this modern world and the more cut off we are from our our self as beasts our our, our beastly nature um right the the more we can sort of stuff down and and, and if, avoid paying attention to anything that is actually um uh that we're feeling in our body so if we're having low levels of pain in a particular part of our body but we're ignoring it all day because our attention is elsewhere mm-hmm. we're more likely to become injured but when we're in contact with the natural world we're more in contact also often with our internal self so i tell people if you're going to be in nature also take the, the earbuds out turn off your phone <laughs> You know, <laughs> just really be present mentally as well. Um, right. But there, there is something to being physically connected and grounded. That's why a lot of times um, walks on the beach, you know, if you live near a, an ocean, we, we are fortunate enough to live near the ocean and we might hike down a mountain, scurry down the mountain with our hiking boots and we take them off and put our feet in the sand and let the ocean waves, you know, hit our feet and, and feeling that connection with the earth is just immediately, you know, soothing. And then the smell Mm -hmm. of the ocean and so forth, but you can get that experience, you know, anywhere, um, where it's safe to, to be in nature and, and have, have your body connected. You know, people joke about tree huggers. Um, the idea of hugging a tree is, is this sort of, um, cliche for people that care about the environment but but there is something about physical contact with nature that is quite healing Mm -hmm. i actually did some research um, anthropology research in kenya a few years ago and you know with the indigenous people you don't see our common um, ailments right things like uh, skin issues diabetes alzheimer's these modern day problems are almost non-existent in their culture, in their societies. And it's almost to the point where it makes you wonder, uh, it's probably exactly what you were mentioning earlier, right? The dead phones, the dead computers, the the detachment from nature, as well as probably, you know, the free radicals building up from the fact that we are moving further away from our natural beings. And I, you know, I just resonate very much with what you're saying. And is, is this a an idea you incorporate with your clients and, and people you give advice to? Yes, it definitely is. And and it's good that you brought up, and that's great that you've had experience directly <laughs> with indigenous people in Africa. I do have a small section in my book about uh, um, the basically mud, you know, being in yeah. the earth, you know, parents are often horrified with their little three-year-old, you know, covered in mud. Um but it's actually quite good for you again, as long as it's not a toxic waste dump, um, uh, that, that being, uh, in mud and it helps heal a lot of, uh, skin ailments. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of curative powers in, uh, certain soils and clays that indigenous people know about, and they've used those 
to to help heal wounds and prevent infection and um and there is something about um being connected to the earth and having experiences in you know with because because what mud is often is it's a lot of composted stuff that's ground in and Mm. and that's made up of a lot of different elements that are um that are they're very good for us um Mm. so we don't need to be horrified if our kids are playing in it uh might make for a little cleanup mess later but but i do think that 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 is the diseases these diseases of the modern world stress panic anxiety and a lot of that stuff stems from from this pressure to get everything done now and this uh, inability to pause and be be quiet and live in Mm. silence for a little while and even just listen to the sounds of nature and um and and when we do that we we can discover kind of our own sounds because our own bodies make a sound when we breathe right mm-hmm. and when we swallow and and so just being in contact with our own physicality helps us right. make minor corrections we 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 notice things that that can prevent injury and um and we also might notice some discomfort in our body that needs attention that we we could put off for for a long time until it becomes right. something more serious so there's there's a lot of benefits to it besides just the the anti-anxiety benefits and and being able to be playful rough and tumble play i remember as a child rolling down grassy hills you know and just Mm -hmm. rolling and feeling my body you know on the earth uh picking up a few twigs in my hair and (laughs) laughing with my friends and those that sort of rough and tumble play is also a really important thing that children these days are are being robbed of um the wrestling and the you know jumping into the to the dirt you know um and and that's actually very important for our brain development to be able to play and you know roughhouse and and a lot of that is connected to being able to be outside and have safe places to roam as a child. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think uh, I've also read that children that have greater exposure to being outdoors when they're, when they're younger often have less allergies and things like that, especially to pollute, uh, what is it, pollen and, and other mm-hmm. types of allergies. So there definitely is some sort of symbiotic relationship with nature that we're slowly departing from that I think is not talked about enough, not yet at least, but I think it will be because we have so many modern day health problems, especially, you know, extreme stress and anxiety and, and, you know, almost a sense of, I think it really resonated with me when you mentioned earlier, essentially you're talking about being in tune with your body and Mm -hmm. being able to kind of understand okay, this is how I'm feeling. This is how my body is feeling right now. And almost that sense of when you're in tune with yourself, you can kind of realize, ooh, I need to go get active. I'm feeling a little, you know, lethargic here or I'm feeling a little drained. Let me get some sunlight. And that sort of uh, being in tune almost disappears the more you go into this rabbit hole of staying indoors constantly, staying away from nature and its 
it's almost too easy in the in the modern world to to almost detach yourself from all natural items in life, right? So I think I thought that was really interesting. Yes, and our, our we do we do have a bias towards things that are fast and easy. And that's what Mm -hmm. a lot of commercial television always says. It's easy. It's fast. Um, And actually those aren't good for us, you know, Uh doing hard things like chopping, chopping our wood for our heat, you know, and, and go or going out and, and gathering berries or for our, for our food or, um, you know, making things a little bit harder by being having to be active and, and, and doing more physically is a, a remedy for depression and anxiety. In fact, you know, action is the enemy of depression if you can mm. get up and get moving. So we're behaving very much in our modern world like depressed people, even if we don't have a diagnosis of depression because we're sitting mm. all day. And we're staring at something. And cave people didn't sit and stare at a cave wall all day. Right. You know? right. <laughs> um, it was just, a, you know, they're out Even there. Even then, roaming. they're still in nature. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're out there doing stuff. And maybe they're mm-hmm. sitting for a while and then getting up and moving. And, and, but, you know, we're, we're made to move and we're made to be active. And, and your, your point about allergies it's true that children exposed to animals too at a young age, you know, are less likely to have allergies to, to animals and down mm-hmm. and so forth. So it's, it is true that um, our exposure to nature, our exposure to it, it's good for our immune, immune system functioning. Right. And being slow, mo- slowing down and letting things take a long time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I came back from Kenya, I had, um, I had, you know, removed all these modern comforts, right? So things like air conditioning, cold water, all these comforts disappeared. And then slowly, I, as, as much as I tried to refrain from quickly diving back into our, you know, modern world, you know, slowly over time, it, it just naturally happens where you're back to, you know, baseline of what life is here. And so I want that, you know, leads me to my next question that I was thinking about is how does one kind of keep that sense, that balance and, you know, in order to lower stress and lower anxiety and things like that? Yeah, you bring bring up a good point. It's like when you're in the environment where people are moving slowly, I remember people talking about in Italy, you know, everybody's off work early and, you know, Americans Mm -hmm. work like crazy hours and and uh, and my friend lived in, in Guatemala for a couple of years and, and I picked her up at the airport and she just was in culture shock going to, she had to go to a mall to pick up something. And it was just like being in a mall was so overwhelming mm-hmm. because she, she'd had these little shops that she would enter, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that were mom and pop shops and it was all right. very different. So, and again, slow paced, um, friendly, um, you know, very different cultures. So, um, so you asked about how, I think a lot of times we, we don't realize how easy it is to make these modifications that could be so healthy. And one, one thing I recommend that I practice is every morning, um, doing every day, practicing stress relieving practices. 
Mm-hmm. So what I do is I exercise every day and I, um, I meditate. So I start my morning with a, a brief meditation. I sit up in my bed, close my eyes. I ease into the day um, with my meditation. Um, I start my day with a lot of self-care. I have make myself a good breakfast. Uh, if it's a nice day outside, I'll go for a walk or I'll do some kind of workout at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've started my day before I even start my work day at 9 a.m. I've already practiced stress management. I'm already filling myself up with sort of a mm-hmm. peaceful, slower pace. Um, I'm well-fueled and and so forth. So I tell people if if we're living in the modern world and we're not practicing stress management activities every day, we are going to set ourselves up for physical, mental, and emotional illnesses. We need that every day. Do but we don't necessarily need. I remember there was this funny commercial that somebody did it was like a parody on all the things you're supposed to do to be a well-rounded, healthy person and sort of shows this person having, you know, making this elaborate breakfast and doing a 90 minute <laughs> yoga workout and then, you know, having tea with friends and then doing all, you know, by the time everything but work. Well, yeah. Everything <laughs> but work is like, that's great. That's great. You that did sounds nothing really productive. <laughs> yeah. Sounds right. great. But like, we, we really can't live like that. Um, but, uh, but we don't need to have, you know, a full uh, eight to 10 hour uh, relaxation practice to feel relaxed and calm throughout our day. If we start our day, though, with some kind of relaxation and um, stress management practice, and people can modify that. I know some people, they write every morning. Uh, getting morning sunlight, if if you can, is really good f- to set our circadian rhythms so that our hormone levels are where they're supposed to be. At night, we'll, we sleep better when we do that uh, because our melatonin kicks in when the sun goes down and then our um, uh, our hormone levels get, get sort of set up by our, our morning routine. So I think that if you aren't doing that, you are probably already feeling some symptoms, mm-hmm. maybe more irritability, maybe more distress, maybe trouble sleeping at night, maybe uh, some gut issues. Um, uh, GI tract issues are often common with stress in the modern world. So we don't need to have an extreme makeover. We don't need to live, um, you know, in a hut somewhere. Um, I know a lot of people have a fantasy of, you know, going to Costa Rica and surfing all day. And, 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 Mm -hmm. and for some people, they can make that happen and that's fine for them, but you can be pretty healthy and and happy and, and calm in the modern world. If you are practicing self, uh, soothing techniques every day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you mentioned Meditation helps, exercise helps. You know, so first off, I wanted to clarify when you say exercise, does it matter what kind of exercise you're doing? Just walking is fine. Yeah. Because I've heard, because I've heard, you know, especially in my younger years, I did weightlifting mainly. And, you know, I would hear from people that, you know, that's not 
although that's great, it's not enough because you're not, you know, usually not affecting your cardiovascular health to any crazy extent because it's somewhat sedentary, right? You lift a weight, you put it down. And so I, you know, I'm just curious when people say, you know, just exercise, is it anything that gets the heart moving? Or what do we consider as optimal exercise? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> it's, you know, weightlifting is great. When we work our muscles, we are also really doing a great service to our body and, and, and our, our muscles. Uh, when we're strengthening our muscles, they support our whole system, uh, you know, support our spine, our internal organs, um, help prevent osteoporosis, especially for little people like me. Um, and uh, if you like weightlifting, great, do it, just do it in the right form and not, you know, not to injury, obviously. Um, and it's, it's, it's really good for you. Uh, weight-bearing exercise is really good for you. And, um, and walking is really good for you. Uh, movement of any kind is really good for you. There's even studies that show little exercise snacks, they call them, are good for you. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing those sometimes between therapy sessions, like especially when you have the afternoon energy dip. Most people, yeah. you know, three, four o'clock in the afternoon, you're just kind of like, I'm ready for a siesta. Right. And or so a I have, yeah, <laughs> so caffeine. And, and one of the things I've been doing is um, we have a deck, we have a, like an outdoor deck that kind of has a nice, a nice view. And I'll walk down to over to the deck and I might do some jumping jacks or, um, you know, some, some one, two minute, three minute, five minutes of little a little exercise snack, you know, just, mm. just some easy movements, uh, that get my heart rate up and wake me up and oxygenate my brain. And then I'm raring to go over the rest of the rest of the day, you know? So, so a lot of times we just, again, put so much pressure on ourselves that it's gotta be the right, you know, we gotta have a personal trainer and we gotta like bodybuild and, you know, <laughs> and if you're right. into that, great, but it's not necessary for health and well being. It's just move, move in whatever way you like, you know, put on some rock and roll music and dance, you know, um, uh, just whatever is gonna give you a little bur uh, burst of joy or pleasure, uh, makes you, makes you feel like good in your body. That helps too. Um, and, uh, and, but it is nice. I mean, if you want to do the optimal thing, it's nice to mix up your week and do some, some weightlifting, do some cardio, mm -hmm. do some play, just play, mm -hmm. uh, right. play a sport with some friends. I badly play tennis with my <laughs> husband and, we really don't play tennis. I mean, we really just chase balls around the court, but <laughs> we are getting exercise, right? We are yeah. trying, we are trying. Um, and, and, uh, and same thing with basketball or whatever, whatever you like to do, soccer, football, um, it, you know, movement is, is really healthy and also getting in touch with the playfulness inside of our bodies, you know, the playful spirit is so healing for our psyche and, mm -hmm. and, and helps us live in the moment and feel more alive and more, you know, hopeful because right. we're, 
we're in that sort of child mind of just playful exploration. And uh, that, that is very, very good for counteracting the negative effects of stress in our body. Mm -hmm. And you also mentioned meditation. Now, you know, I've heard plenty of people mention meditation, the benefits, how great it can be. But something I'm still trying to, you know, understand is why is there so much resistance to start? I think, you know, myself included, other people have, you know, expressed the same concern. It's it's everyone knows that it has benefits, but to getting to that point of consistently doing it, there is so much resistance for that initial, you know, initial period before the results ever kick in, right? So, you know, I'm sure you've prescribed this to your own clients and, and whatnot. Is Do you notice a resistance as well? And why do you mm-hmm. think that is? I think there's a natural resistance to change for several reasons. One is maybe we don't know if this change is going to do anything. So we're skeptical. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, we don't know how to meditate. And right. we don't want to try something new that makes us feel stupid. We don't like to feel stupid. We don't like mm-hmm. to feel incompetent at something. <laughs> um, three, we are concerned about the people we live with and what they're going to think and and whether there will be interruptions or, uh, you know, for the time, this is just taking time. This is a waste of time. I could, my time could be used better used elsewhere. Um, so there's a lot of natural resistances to change and starting a new habit. So one of the ways I um, encourage my clients to start is to get one of those meditation apps like uh, the calm app or headspace or one of those apps um i know a lot of people who are hooked on peloton and peloton meditation apps and um and and they're very helpful so guided meditations can be helpful for people who you know are skeptical that it'll be helpful and they don't know what to do And I encourage people to cultivate an attitude of curiosity. Um, You're not, you don't have to make a lifetime commitment to meditation. You could be curious and say, let me try this for a couple of weeks. It's sort of a little experiment. If I set aside a time uh, for me, I used to do it like 20 minutes twice a day religiously for a long Mm -hmm. time. And then I had kids and that, you know, everybody <laughs> who has kids knows that they, they wake you up at all hours and they aren't going to let you sit there and meditate for 20 <laughs> minutes. You know, it's like your mommy, you better be available. Yeah. Um, it's that or sleep, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And sleep yeah. is just like, oh my gosh, you're so, you're so hungry for sleep when you have children. It's like the most, it's like the the most perfect thing ever if you sleep. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, but the, these apps often are, are, they have great people, uh, that provide some of these guided meditations and some of them are short as a minute, you know, just one minute of calm where you just listen to ocean music for one minute with your eyes mm-hmm. closed. You know, most people can tolerate that. Um, and, and then you notice, and, and if you're really mindful noticing this, 
you will notice a shift in your how you feel internally from just one minute of doing deep mm -hmm. diaphragmatic breathing or one right. minute of just listening to this ocean thing and really being attentive and really trying to pay full attention to this one moment of your right. life. And when you do that, your nervous system as a side effect just, just calms down, you know, and, um, so, uh, so I encourage that some people are very, very wound up, um, already with real heightened levels of anxiety, their baseline level of anxiety, their normal is at a level of symptomatic anxiety and that's their normal, right? So they don't, they can't tolerate much more. Um, and so sometimes for those folks, sometimes they're, uh, those folks have a really hard time sitting, just sitting at all, you know, just, just sitting with their eyes closed. It's just like, oh my God, just get me out of here. <laughs> you know, get me out of my head. <laughs> I, I don't want to be in my head. And right. so I, I often will recommend a moving uh, kind of activity that's meditative, like yoga, like taking yoga class even once a week. Mm -hmm. uh, because you're moving, you're focused on something else. You're not having to sit there just with your own thoughts going, -tung, ka -tung, ka -tung, ka -tung, ka -tung, you know, <laughs> uh, haunting you. Um, so, uh, and, and then Tai Chi is also a really great, um, practice, uh, Tai Chi or Qigong or whatever for people who, um, need to move and also could really benefit from a meditative practice. Cause those are, are done with your eyes open and they're slow contemplative movements that are um, uh, very, very focused and they take a lot of energy. However, mm -hmm. it slows you down and, um, <laughs> and it's, you know, has a lot of the same health benefits of the sitting meditations that most of us, you know, think of when we think of meditation. Right. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but, from my understanding, there is different wavelengths in the brain, and I think it goes beta, alpha, delta, gamma, somewhere around that order. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the first two are oftentimes more hyperactive. It's where you can't sit down and your, your thoughts are sporadic, you, you feel mm -hmm. agitated, you can't sit there and just just calm down, right? And from what you're saying, it almost sounds like, because I know f from you know, in sleep, you're in, I think, delta and gamma wavelengths. You're in a lower state. So it sounds like meditation almost brings you there. Meditation, yeah, there's, there's, um, meditation is really interesting. Like, especially I know uh, transcendental meditation and mindfulness meditation are the two that have been studied the most, where we have a lot of really good fMRI studies where they really look at how the brain functions in real time when you're meditating. Um, mm -hmm. We've got a lot of good data on, on what happens in the brain when we meditate. And what's interesting about transcendental meditation, so transcendental meditation is the first one that I learned when I was a teenager, the first meditation technique. Um, and uh, it's what they call a mantra-based meditation where you are given a Sanskrit word by your meditation teacher and you mm -hmm. think that word uh in, silently um and you learn that your thoughts will kind of come and come into your mind and they always do 
<laughs> and when you're aware of the thoughts, then you go back to your mantra sound that you're thinking. And you'll go back and forth between, oh, now I'm thinking the mantra. Oh, now I'm thinking my thoughts. Oh, now I'm thinking the mantra. Now I'm thinking my thoughts. And you're going back and forth, right? Um, but you're sitting quietly. And then at some point in the process of meditation, there will be a point where you have no thoughts and no mantra. And you're in this pure awareness state, which is a unique my, uh, mental state that's different from deep rest. It's different from sleep. It's different from our waking state where you're fully awake and alert. And at the same time, you are not in your thoughts. Mm. Our thoughts are this constant sort of editorializing of what's going on in, in the world. Oh, oh, my hair looks funny. Oh, you know, mm. I should be doing this or I'm that. Hungry. Or, yeah. I'm hungry or, you yeah. know, and, 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 uh, and, and so we're always interpreting, interpreting and, and, and evaluating and judging and telling stories to ourselves. And our thoughts are, you know, constantly there. So rarely are we in a state of pure awareness. And what's interesting about that state is it's called nirvana. It's called bliss because accompanying that state Often you will get a feeling in your body of just bliss or wonder or uh, a wonderful feeling. And now you're in your thoughts again going, that feels good. <laughs> you know, right. and now you're back mantra thoughts, mantra thoughts. Um, but that is, is, is what uh, a lot of religious leaders that teach meditation in many different cultures uh, refer to as, you know, this sort of source, I think the Maharishi called it the source of creative intelligence, which I love as a phrase. That's awesome. Because like it's, that. it's sort of this place of pure awareness. And so what, but simultaneously as a side effect, your whole nervous system, your heart rate goes down, your respiration rate goes down your um your brain is is in a state of pure awareness but it's also in a state of deep rest so you got theta going and then you got your 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 i can't remember what i think it's beta but both at the same time which is a unique um a very unique state of consciousness mm -hmm. so it's not just like resting so when you're really learn to meditate you're not just resting i mean rest is right. good and that would be fine to do. Meditation, though, takes you into a different state of consciousness. Right. And it's what, what happens when you do that regularly over a period of time is it has a cumulative effect where you can access that state quickly. Right. Like when we're revved up and full of a lot of anxiety, sometimes it takes a while to calm down. I hear people mm -hmm. say. When I go on vacation, it's usually by day three that I start to really relax. Oh, yeah, I have heard that, especially for people that are workaholics or constantly stressed all the time. Where they're not doing regular stress management, they're not able to like quickly get into that state of, wow, I'm on a Hawaiian beach and I can just be here, you know, and just be. Um, so, you know, that's that's the um, the the uh, benefits of, of meditation, but to get there, you have to sort of 
maybe try it out as a curious adventure as opposed to, you know, a lot of times people feel like, oh, it's another chore. This is another chore I got to do. I got too many chores. And uh, so I just encourage them to start really small, one minute meditation. And then the mindfulness technique is also um, a, a very well researched technique that I've learned how to do as well, which we can do anywhere all the time. And that is basically paying attention on purpose to the present moment as it's unfolding moment by moment without judging it, without the editorializing. It's like, right. Like a third person observer. Yes. It's like, I'm just here present Mm -hmm. talking with you. It's just you and I here in this moment. And when we are aware of the moment we're in and that's, all we're aware of, we're all we're paying attention to, and we're doing it on purpose. And we're not judging it. We're not saying this is good, this is bad, or this is fun, this is not fun, or this, you know, all of the interpretations of reality that flood our thoughts. We're letting those float by like clouds. We're just not giving them attention. We're not attaching to those thoughts. And we're not Uh, believing our thoughts like they're true you know Um, but we're just fully present in this moment look at this moment we have a moment and its potential is wondrous we can just be here you know just be here in this moment um, without any expectation um, or evaluation Um, so when we can do that our again as a side effect our nervous system arousal goes way down we're more effective we're less likely to be accident prone because we're paying attention to where we're putting Mm -hmm. our feet or what we're doing and we can we can do that mindfulness with chores i do i have a section in in frazzle brain about uh mindfulness with chores you know just any Mm -hmm. kind of chore you do brushing your teeth washing dishes folding laundry putting things away if we just bring our attention fully to this is all i am doing this is you know just ask yourself what am i doing right now i am walking down the hall to go brush my teeth i am taking step another step another step you know life is very manageable when you break it down like that Mm-hmm. But what makes it unmanageable is where we're trying to drink the fire hose of life all at once <laughs> as if, you know, I can solve all of my life's problems and I have to do it all right now. Yeah. And that's, I think that's also, hard. sorry, not to, not to cut you off, but I, I think another big issue is, especially today in our today's day and age, we have almost everything on demand. So we are able to listen to music while we brush our teeth or drive our car or, you know, it's almost like we can multitask, even though we're, we're not really great at multitasking. We attempt it anyways. And I think that also partially probably gives us this l- lack of mindfulness and lack of, you know, calmness in things we do because constantly, you know, scatterbrained and even the simplest chores. Yes. And, and, and there is some um, research now on anhedonia or the inability to experience pleasure uh, one of my colleagues, Dr. Nan Wise, is a neuropsychologist, a neuroscientist. 
she researches pleasure and, and orgasm and um, and there's a real uh, pleasure deficit with all of us being hooked to these momentary hits of dopamine or uh, they call them dopamine hits, but you know, these mm-hmm. momentary um, diversions that we, we can't tolerate the slightest bit of boredom. And as a result, our, our nervous system is bombarded with too much, too much stimulation so that we, we are exhausting our ability to experience pleasure. And so what I recommend to people is turn it all off, have designated entertainment times. This is my time for entertainment. Mm -hmm. This is my time I'm going to be scrolling through TikTok. And this is my time when I'm going to be doing my social media. And this is my time when I'm going to watch TV. But the the other times in my life, I'm going to be fully present in my life. And I'm not, I'm not looking at this as my entertainment time. Um, I'm looking at this as, as my, as my fully living, being in the moment, paying attention time. And you'll notice if you do that, um, even like if you're in your car, just driving, just let yourself drive. I love music. I love to sing in my car. I, I'm not saying don't ever sing or, you know, play music. It's a wonderful thing. And it's part of your joy. I do it mindfully though. Do it I think mindfully. it makes it more joyful that way too. Yes, exactly. If I'm really mm-hmm. listening to the music, I'm really listening you know, and, and, uh, I'm really hearing it and I'm really getting the pleasure from it. Mm -hmm. But if I'm just like, gotta have all this stimulation going just to get myself out of my head or keep myself from feeling anything. Now we're starting to numb our nervous system and we become eventually unable to experience pleasure. And that leads to addictive kinds of, kinds of behaviors. So Right. And seeking um, so that, greater and greater things. Exactly. Higher levels of intensity just to feel something. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Schneider, I, I want to, you know, ask one last question to wrap up this show. You know, the show is called Learn or Be Learned. So I want to ask you, what is one life lesson that you learned that you would like to share with the audience? I think the most exciting life lesson that I've learned in the last few years of my research is that our mind is so much more powerful than we realize that our thoughts and how we aim our attention shapes our hormones, our neurobiology, our immune system functioning. And it's really, really important to aim our mind in the direction of compassion instead of outrage, to aim our mind in the direction of healing instead of disease, Um, to aim our mind in the direction of love versus hate, because it has physiological effects on our nervous system and it has social effects and has ripple effects. And the neuropsychology research that's coming out now 
makes us makes me realize how much I have underestimated what's going on in my own mind and its power on myself and everyone that I interact with. So I think I think it's very important to think about what you're thinking about, what you believe in, and aim it in the in a direction that's that's healthy. Right. Wow, that's so powerful, right? The idea of mind over matter is you know, taken so, the phrase is taken so lightly, but I think it's so true. Um, you know, the idea of how certain people overcome adversity through the sheer willpower of their minds is, you hear stories all the time. Vision. Like, things like It's that. vision. It's how they're aiming their mind. They're aiming their mind where they want to go. They're not aiming mm. their mind where they don't want to go, you know, and mm. that's, that's a really powerful thing. And I hope I hope young people grab onto that idea and, you know, cause young people like you are the people changing the world and, um, you know, your, where you aim your mind, what you're trying to do with your show, what you're trying to do with your life, um, has a lot of power, has a lot of power. Well, Dr. Schneider, I really appreciate you being on this show and, and honestly, having you on at this point in time in my life feels like an absolute blessing. So thank you so much for being here. I really had an awesome talk with you. Thank you. I feel really grateful to have met you. And thanks for having me on your show. 